Hey, Mike Shaw, how you doing? I'm doing very well, Mr. Kevin Bales. Good to uh, <laughs> be with you again, my friend, uh, for another episode of Music Life and Times. You know, I had a, a, a thought, <laughs> I guess you'd say, uh, an occasional thing that happens to me, I get a thought. But one of the subjects that I thought might be fun to talk about is a lot of the really finest players, uh, certainly around here who I know, who I've been had the opportunity, some to play with, some to write about, uh, they also teach. And I know you, obviously you also teach. Um, in fact, I'm one of your students. <laughs> uh, and I, well, I, I just, coach you. <laughs> yeah. I just think it's really interesting that um, the really the finest performing musicians also um, like to share their knowledge and passion uh, with other people and, and not just, you know, kids, although that's a big part of it, teaching students, you know, well, uh, per se students, but I mean, you know, adults like me, people who have played music all their life, who want to get better, uh, who want to learn more. Um, so what is it about um, really fine musician uh, that, uh, that sort of uh, inclines you to do that as well? Um, it, Mike, I, I, I think it's about the community and the way this works, you know, there's a, a really famous pianist of New Orleans, who's the father of a family of very famous musicians. His name is Ellis Marcellus. Now, I don't know if he invented this phrase or coined it, but I heard it from him first. And his, his, his motto was each one teach one. Hmm. The idea that it's, it's our responsibility to what we learn to pass it on to others. You know, my relationship with teaching, uh, I, I think it's slightly unusual. Um, I had no interest in being a teacher when I started. I was um, at the University of North Florida working on my bachelor's degree. I had not graduated yet, but I had a brand new, I had a brand new baby. My daughter, Gabrielle, had been born. She was almost nine months old um, when... Um, and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm here trying to figure out how to pay bills, have a baby, you know, be a father, all this stuff. And the university that I was a student at suddenly needed a jazz piano teacher because their piano teacher had suddenly quit. And I, you know, I don't know why, but they thought of me and they called and offered me to teach full time for that year under the condition that I go ahead and graduate, you know, now keep in mind, I already finished all my music classes and I was delaying graduating so that I could get uh, financial assistance from the government, Pell grants and such. So it's not like I was, you know, super young. I would have been 22, 23. Um, I, I, I still, I still think though I should give refunds through those first few years of students, but you know, they brought me in to teach <laughs> And if I did not have, have, you know, a child, I think there would, I, there's no way I would have said yes. Cause I, all I wanted to do was play. But at this point, my focus has shifted. I'm going to do whatever I can to be a good father. So I took the job and I'm really lucky because that school, university of North Florida had 
some of the most famous jazz educators in the world teaching there. Bunky Green, Jack Peterson, Bill Prince, Rich Madison. Um, and they all mentored me. They all really have been mentoring me musically, but now they're mentoring me on how to teach. So I kind of got a firsthand internship in how to teach that year. I taught 17 classes, which is nuts. That I say classes. A bunch of them were combos. I mean, they gave me way more of a load than I should. A lot of those were private lessons, but it was still a lot of work. But during that year, I discovered that I had things that helped people. And I fell in love with teaching at that point. And one of the big discoveries for me was that instead of interfering with my ability to form, it made it helped my playing. It made me play better. And that was a that was a big realization for me. I thought it was either teach or play. Mm-hmm. And my whole my whole career has been doing both equally, trying to balance them out. Always made a little bit more money performing. Um, as I'm getting towards the later half of my life, I'm 56. Um, I'm looking to perform a little less and, and, and spend a little more time on other things. But it's it's been a good balance between the two of them, you know. You know, one of the things that uh, uh, that's interesting about around here that I didn't know until I started working with you and and uh, and becoming uh, closer, if you will, to the jazz community here, is that there are great programs at the university. I'm old enough to have experienced jazz education going from being at only a handful of schools to being in almost every university now has some kind of jazz program of some one kind or another. But, you, you know, when we talk about teaching, it's, it's not just formal teaching. I mean, um, most of the stuff that I've learned about playing has come from mentors who taught outside of the university or out of a formal setting. In fact, even those mentors I just mentioned at the University of North Florida, Rich Madison, Jack Pierce and Bunky Green, Bill Prince, most of what I learned from them was getting to do gigs with them, which was amazing. You know, that you can you can only talk about so much in a classroom. Um, it's when you actually get to share the stage with someone where this uns- almost unspoken teaching happens. Spend four hours on stage with them, waiting till you get a final smile. I remember when I did all that time playing with the, the great bassist Ben Tucker, you know, if I played something I, he didn't really like or they didn't really get, he would just, he wore glasses. He would just kind of tilt his head down, look over the glasses at me, not frowning, <laughs> but more like, what are you doing? And if I played something I re- he really liked, he would sit on a stool. You know, if I was playing really well, he would stand up instead and start really digging in. So it's kind of like I would play the gig with him and use him as a barometer. You know, if he was looking at the glasses, would be I need to shape up. And if I was playing good, he would stand up. And every now and then, if I was playing really good, he would say a word or two out loud. He'd say something like "cook, cook, Kevin." You know, <laughs> these encouraging phrases you 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 would you would live for. And this kind of teaching would be things that are part of this community. You know, Ben would do other things for me, like um, if he knew, like like 
the first few gigs I played with him, I, I was doing body and soul all the time. I only played in the key of D flat. And like one month I go to play the song. He's ah, I'm tired of the key. Let's do it in F. He just starts playing in F. I just had to do it. <laughs> um, Jack Peterson. Oh, he's so great. Um, he, he's a guitarist. He, he started the guitar program at Berkeley and then university of Texas. He, and he, it's from the street. He has no, he had no degrees. He's part Native American. He's from Texas. His mentor was the great jazz pianist, Red Garland, who had moved back to Texas after his time with Miles Davis. Um, one time Jack um, called me his office and said, hey, I'm going to do a concert here. It's in two weeks. We're going to do it on Wednesday night over here at this venue at the, at the university. Do you want to do it? I said, sure. He says, no problem. I'll, I'll give you the music in a couple of days. I didn't think anything about it. Now, previously, him had been talking about playing in different keys. I had told him that my least favorite key was the key of A. <laughs> so he gives me this folder of music, and I open it up, and every song is in the key of A. <laughs> this guy put on a concert for me, booked the gig, his show, to make me play an A for a whole show. <laughs> You know, That's you know, education. <laughs> yeah, I think so. I mean, you, you must have, I mean, all that time you were in New Orleans, you must have had other musicians who influenced you this way, right? Oh, yeah. Well, yes. And you mentioned uh, uh, Mr. Marcellus, Ellis Marcellus earlier. Mm -hmm. I, uh, well, rarely, you know, most of the way I learned how to play growing up was just playing. And then, you know, with, as you say, you, you, you form relationships with other people, but it was, um, in a kind of started out as folk music and then sort of that folk rock era, uh, um, the singer songwriter stuff. So it was, um, you know, it's just strumming a guitar and, and singing. But when I got serious, when I got back to the piano, which I had studied as a kid and got tried to start getting better on the keyboard, uh, in, and I uh, was able to uh, assemble a group of musicians in New Orleans, five very, 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 very fine musicians. Um, we were a staple in that uh, in the in the community jazz funk band, a staple in that community in New Orleans for several years. But at that point, somewhere in there, I decided, you know, it would be really fun and interesting if I could get a lesson with Ellis Marcellus. And, uh, and so I did, and it was, uh, he's a taskmaster. <laughs> yes, he is, famously. And yeah, he so, was, you know, we lost, we lost him during COVID, sadly. Right, yeah, yeah. But uh, in fact, it's interesting because I never really heard him play live until a few years ago when I went back to New Orleans and he was playing there in Fallburg, Marining, um, that great jazz club in there. Uh, and he played there for uh, like one night a week for for years, and I finally got a chance to go. You talking about Snug Snug Harbor? Snug Harbor, right? I finally got yeah. a chance to to hear him, and just I love really... that club, Mike, because they had the balcony, uh -huh. and you could go up on the second floor, and as a piano, you could you could watch from above, right? And That's see what his I hands and his voices and everything. It was amazing. Yeah. And he had the boys playing. Well, he had his sons playing uh, bass and drums. Our drums, mm -hmm. um, drums drummer was one of his sons. 
was um, Jason and, and Jason, maybe Delfeo on trombone. Yeah. yeah, right. I think so. I think he was on there that night. But at any rate, it was just, you know, it wasn't anything that you would call spectacular. It was just he made it sound so fluid and so easy. It's just he played these tunes so beautifully. And uh, again, it just made it sound <laughs> so easy. Yeah, I mean, he was a master. And, and uh, if you ever... You know, I worked on some of his solos once from this record he did with Wyndham Marsalis. I mean, with with his son, you know, um, where they're playing jazz standards, and it's deceptively hard. I mean, Wyndham's named after, um, I'm pretty sure named after the great pianist Wyndham Kelly, who also, he's never going to, he's not dazzling, but everything he plays sounds so good and sounds so easy. Yeah, you know, and I, I, I think Ellis is a good example of a one of our jazz legends who just chose to stay in his home community and be part of this community. Yeah, you know, like Vince Domino once said when he was on the road, he said, "I'm going back to New Orleans and never leaving because I can't get anything decent to eat anywhere else." <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> Listen, I wanted to ask you one more ahead, question relative to this subject, and that is in, in terms of teaching, uh, how much, uh, I don't know if you can apply a percentage to it or whatever, but how much emphasis maybe is on, um, in teaching youngsters is on technique and how much uh, emphasis on trying to inspire them? But you want to inspire them and infect them with your love of what we're doing. You know, a, a lot of time when you get a young student, they're brand new to all of it. They don't know whether they like it or not. Hopefully I'm working with more of the higher. I'm getting more likely to work with students have already fallen in with love. Hmm. But you, you want you want to inspire them with the things you're excited about. You know, I mean, it is called playing music. It's not working music. <laughs> um, and I focus on technique with a specific purpose. Like if they're playing out of tune, you teach them how to listen to each other and how to work as a team to be in tune. You know, ideally I'm, I'm not teaching one-on-one -on -one youngsters. I'm teaching adults, but mm -hmm. when I do work with, you know, teenagers and, you know, I'm working with them in groups and I'm hoping to teach them, you know, how exciting music is to be played with a group of people. It's this passing on thing. Mm -hmm. As far as technique, that's you, you could teach it, but basically it comes down to that person doing the work, you know, in their room. You, I mean, someone at some point has to tell them how to, how what the fingering is for a note on the trumpet. I, I'm not teaching beginners like that. And there's an art teaching beginners how to play their instruments and that is outside my skill set and i we call it the trenches you know your middle school high school band directors that is a tough job that's super important and the guys who are good at that are better at it than anyone you know right you know that you're talking about teaching uh your your uh, your students in your in the combos that you work with right. uh teaching them uh, how to play together, how to collaborate, how to listen to each other. And I think that's one of the 
one of the life lessons that we talk about when we talk about what you learn learning music is uh, to collaborate, to cooperate. You know, and, and this is transcendent. It's not just music. You know, you know, Mike, about eight years ago, I, I took my son on a vacation. We went up, we were recreating a childhood trip of mine. And we went up and went to Montana, South Dakota, Wyoming, and ended up in Yellowstone and came home. We spent about two weeks out there. Beautiful place in the country, everything. But we, we decided to go in the the unusual entrance to Yellowstone, which is on the Wyoming side. It's the less used entrance. And there's a little town there called Cody, Wyoming. Cody, C-O-D-Y. And we didn't plan this. We just happened to show up in Cody on the day of the National Rodeo Finals. I'd never been to a rodeo in my life. I'm a city boy, Atlanta, right? My son never been to one. So we decided to do the whole thing. We, I, I bought the best tickets. We've sat behind the bullpens. Um, it was pretty funny because we're wearing like our Eddie Bauer camping gear. <laughs> They're all wearing, you know, blue jeans and plaid shirts and big belt buckles. And we definitely stuck out like people were stopping and pointing at us. We weren't uncomfortable though, but we definitely were the outsiders. And I got to sit behind this thing and it, I, we enjoyed it so much. And from just a music point of view, it starts off with five-year-olds riding baby goats and helping them were the eight to 10-year-olds, right? So and then when you're done with the five-year-olds, they eight to 10-year-olds come out to do their stuff. Being watched over by these middle schoolers. Then the middle schoolers come out and do their stuff, and they're being watched out by the high schoolers. Then the real rodeo starts. And the everyone is there to support the most dangerous part where the actual rodeo is happening. But all of the veterans are there and they're helping. Now, this was the rodeo finals, but this sense of the entire community being involved with this, with like Alice Marcellus said, each one teach one, that this was about more than just how to ride a, ride a steer or something. You know, it's, it's about the sense of community and celebrating their lifestyle together and doing this together. This, this, this thing there, where I walked, I just recognize how much of it is the jazz tradition with I'm not saying it came from it. I'm just saying this sense of everyone teaching each other, and that's where the learning takes place, was was exciting to me. And I think it that's the way music education works the best, is when we're all passing down information.